Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm Chuck. Today's episode is brought to you by Lower Gentry Studios. Lower Gentry Studios has a web series out right now. It's called Canyon County. Check it out after this podcast. You'll enjoy it. Today, I sit down with Ivy Merrill of The French Tips. They have a new album out, The Tips. They're also scheduled to perform at this year's Tree Fort Music Festival. We talk about the music festival, we talk about their album, and we talk about a lot of music-related topics in general. Enjoy. Welcome, Ivy of French Tips. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I uh, appreciate you coming out this afternoon to chat about the upcoming Tree Fort performance. And uh, the French Tips just released an album. Yep. Awesome. Yep. It's The Tips. Cool. That's a good album name. Thank you. <laughs> Short for The French Tips. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, so those of uh, those of the listeners that are unfamiliar with your music, can you talk a little bit about The French Tips? Sure. You, what your style is? Yeah. So um, we are a, a trio. So it's myself and then Angela Hylison and, and Rachel Couch. And um, we play witchy sounding kind of dark um rock or punk rock music yeah and who are your influences um you know we haven't really talked a lot about who our influences are um as a group we've certainly gotten to play with a lot of amazing bands in the two years that we've played together so that's always inspiring um we played with Miss Rayon recently. They were really amazing. Um, Angela also plays in Dirt Russell, and she played last night with a couple bands that um, you know we all kind of grew up listening to. And so, so so you have this amalgamation, this three piece, and then a lot of all three of you play in other groups as well. Or, yeah. Yep. So how did you meet each other then? So playing music. Um, that makes Rachel, sense. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel and Angela were playing in um, Desert Graves, which was a killer band. They were so awesome. Um, and so I wanted them, I wanted to play with them for the show that we put on uh, two years ago um, where a bunch of local bands were playing covers mm-hmm. and original stuff, I guess. Um but anyway, there were a whole bunch of bands playing, and I really wanted to—I wanted them to play, or I wanted to play with them. And so we got together, and we actually covered a, um, two different songs. We covered a La Tigre song, and then um, oh, I, the name of the other band's escaping me. But it was two—the other band was like a punk band, and so we covered a couple songs. How long so. have you? How long have you been playing? Uh, I've—I started coming out of high school, so I've played. Um, like 18 years probably. Oh, dang. Yeah. Why music? What does it do for you? Oh, uh, I guess I can't imagine not playing music. Uh, well, when I started playing, it was like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a young person, I think music does something really special for people, but especially young people. And um, I guess I've always been somebody that just really needed to express myself in really intense ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you mean by that intense ways? I'm curious. Well, so I've always loved to play rock music or um I like loud music. I like um The French Tips are definitely a loud band. I was watching your set that you uh recorded at the Record Exchange. That was pretty mm-hmm. rocking. Yeah, thank I like, you. I like the fact that you switched uh guitar mm-hmm. and bass as well. Yeah. So you kind of play whatever the strengths are. It seems like in that song. 
Yeah. Which is which was pretty slick. Thank you. Um, but anyway, so yes, you definitely a rock and band. Can you go? Yeah. More into that? Well, and so uh, I guess that's just what I always wanted to do. Um, and I like stuff that's just really dynamic and I don't know I guess I just love music in general the way it makes me feel and um so I'm I love playing it I love collaborating with other people and those women are amazing to collaborate with so yeah I can uh you guys come up with some really solid stuff which is which is cool did you guys come up with it on the fly a lot of times or do you sit down and compose uh yeah, I think in this band we're pretty good about doing homework um, when we need to, you know, um, splitting up and thinking about what we want to contribute to a song. Um, but playing in a band is really special in the sense that it's always a, a sum of the parts of the people who are coming together. And so, um, you know, when we get together, it's always new ideas, um, new ways of thinking of of whatever riff one of us brought to the table so right on and do you do you prefer the the live performance to the background work just curious because you you just released your first album that's got to be pretty amazing feeling it was yeah it was it was awesome and we loved playing the shows we got to play and we felt very very lucky to have so many of our friends and and people come out to our show um where we did our release and that's always a good feeling um you know to play music for people and just have that energy in the room um have that shared experience but um me personally I actually really enjoy writing music okay so that's my first love right on and you started when you were a teenager Mm -hmm. what did that look like uh (laughs) well Let's see. I think the first song that I learned how to... So I played the bass first. Okay. Um, and the first song that That's I l- cool. learned I, how to play... Rhythm section yes. is amazing. <laughs> That's good. Um, Please Please Me by the Beatles, I think, was the first song I learned. Um, yeah. And I had a hard time uh, teaching myself. So as soon as I joined a band, which I did when I was 18, then I was able to really start learning I felt more motivated, I guess, to learn more about how to play my instrument. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, Angela, I believe, grew up playing. Um, and and I know she loves classic rock albums. And, uh, and Rachel, I kind of knew in passing growing up in Boise. She's played in bands for a really long time as well um, and played a lot of basement shows and... So, anyway, I think those two also have a long history of playing music. And and, and you're all from the Treasure Valley area, then all from um, Boise? So, those two are actually from Rexburg and Idaho Falls. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. And uh, I grew up here. I moved here when I was a little kid, so. Okay. Yeah. And what did you listen to when you were growing up? I mean, obviously um, the Beatles. Yeah, I actually I don't know why that was the first song I learned. <laughs> it wasn't like external pressure from your parents. No, no. Uh, when I when I first uh, picked up the guitar, um, it was uh, I, I mean I, that would have been 
I was like middle school, you know, uh-huh. but then I started to get more proficient in high school. And it was, it was like every relative that I knew wanted me to play whatever song from the sixties yeah. or seventies that they <laughs> yeah. loved to listen to. They're like, you should play this one. You should play this one, you know, do this Beatles cover, like learn how to play this one, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it was, it was a lot of external pressure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not sure. I have a very supportive family. Um, but I'm not sure that they were so invested in me learning specific songs. Um, so they didn't bludgeon you over the head with all the Beatles stuff? No. And at this point, I have learned a lot of covers. But really starting out, I found out that playing covers was not really a good learning method for me. Really? I liked to write kind of from the beginning. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, that wasn't a real accessible pathway for me when I started. It was fun to learn that song, um, but I pretty much immediately wanted to write my own lyrics and write my own melodies. And How did you end up like with that. a bass guitar? Um, so there was a band that I saw in high school, and there was a woman who played bass um, in that band, and I remember seeing her and thinking... Um, I really liked the way that her bass lines worked in the songs, and um, I felt like it, it was almost like a magic trick with the bass. You know, it's not a very showy instrument, usually in a, in a rock band, um, although it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of is this glue that holds a song together sometimes, and um, and she just was able to do things for these songs that were so... Um, like understated but powerful, and I just felt I just gravitated, I guess, towards that instrument at that time, seeing her play. So. And, and so you were paying attention to the bass while mm-hmm. everybody was. What kind of was it? Was it a rock trio type of type uh, of band? So, was it one of your loud bands that you like to listen <laughs> to? So I, so the band was Steve Malkmus and the Jicks. I think there's still a band. Okay, I'm pretty sure they're still playing around. But um, yeah, I just really liked that bass player yeah and so that's why I started playing the bass and I think my friend found a bass in a dumpster (laughs) and gave it to me so so you started on dumpster bass yes and it it was um what about the amplifier because you have to no it was not a functioning bass in that way like it didn't have guts it couldn't be plugged into things Mm. but I could learn how to play it so. <laughs> wow, that takes some serious dedication. Uh, playing an electric bass guitar without an amplifier is one of the most like difficult ways uh, to So this stage learn. did not last long. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> this is like just the very beginning. Nice. Eventually, yeah. you got a bass guitar that you could plug yes, in and amplify. Yeah, exactly. And actually, I still play that bass. Oh, really? So, yeah. Well, what was it? What's your first bass? Um, so the bass that I play now is a Fender P bass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are pretty nice. Yeah, it's done I mean, very guess, well for guess me. Guess if you're coming out of uh, something with a dumpster. Yeah, exactly. Anything's a step up from there. <laughs> right on. So, so you played for on your. You started writing tunes on your dumpster bass. For yes. Like, how long did you have that then? Um. So, <laughs> again, that probably wasn't the most functional uh, setup. Um. I think 
so I had that bass, and then um, I got the Fender bass. Mm-hmm. And right around that time, I lived in a house where um, we had a practice space in the basement. And we had friends who were looking for a practice space. And so they started playing down there, and they needed a bass player. And they saw that I had a bass and an amp and asked if I wanted to play with them. And that's actually when I really started to learn how to play. When you're around other people. Yeah. When I had to learn those songs and... Um, and uh, and yeah, just the experience of being with other people, other musicians. And um, those guys were actually older. They'd been playing in bands for a while around town. And I was just very lucky that they were very, um, they were excited to play and uh, hung in there with me while I learned how to play the bass. <laughs> what is it about bass guitar that there are just so many, there's such a need for that? What do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm right well, with that statement, correct? Well, you have to have a bass. I, mm. like, I guess that's my feeling. Mm. That's <laughs> that, true. That the bass really does um, you know, provide a foundation for a song. <laughs> Although I suppose there's plenty of bands without basses. So especially if you want to play, I guess, rock or punk rock. Mm-hmm. The drummer, the if there's no bass guitar, the drummer's pretty busy with that right <laughs> foot. Yeah. Usually. I've seen some pretty creative um, guitar playing, too, where you can kind of get around having a bass. But... Yeah, to uh, implement some of that rhythm, that's usually pretty necessary. Yeah. That's cool. So so you started uh, playing in a, in a gr- or in your own basement? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're this was in high school, so your parents were just out of high school. Oh, okay, okay. So you were just in a situation where you're renting a house, and then they yeah, sublet living with a the, bunch of friends, and they had a band that they sublet the. We just let our friends come over and play music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And then, I mean, pretty soon it was our band as well, so we were just playing music in the basement. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's when you became motivated to to learn how to to play the bass more efficiently. Yeah. Well, I loved playing music uh, kind of from the beginning, so it wasn't hard to feel motivated to write parts for songs and then to eventually write things that, you know, songs that I wanted to sing. And When did you move on to singing and, and uh, playing the guitar? And uh, Do you play other instruments? Yeah, so I played the bass exclusively for a long time. Um, I played in that band that I started in. It was called Speed of Shark, and I played in it for probably three years. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I played bass in a band called La Fleur for seven years. Um, and then I started playing guitar. So probably about five years ago, I um, I I. I I am not, I don't know chords on the guitar. <laughs> so, so you play it like you're playing the bass guitar then I, almost? I just, I enjoy writing music on it. Okay. Um, but uh, I have never taken the time to really learn how to play the guitar. So I don't actually generally tell people that I play guitar. Um, but you hold but it and I make do. sounds out I of it. I definitely hold it and make sounds out of it in a couple bands. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, and, and then the singing part, have you always sung? Yeah, I started singing pretty early on because I I liked writing songs and I liked writing lyrics a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've played with a lot of musicians who actually don't really enjoy writing lyrics. And so there was always a place for that in all the bands that I've played in. Um, there's always been space for me to, to write words. So That's cool. And 
how many how many of the groups that you play with is it original music? Is it all? Uh, yeah, I've always played in bands that play original music. I do once a year. I play in a cover band, um, and we raise um, money. We pick a different charity every year, and so I do that. Um, when does that happen? Uh, actually, it's happening soon. Oh, um, okay. February sixteenth at okay. the Visual Arts Collective. Oh, cool. So this will be our tenth year. Um, so it'll be my last year doing it. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Oh, <laughs> We're hope... ready to let somebody else do it. <laughs> oh, okay. I hope that you already told everybody that's involved. Yes. This isn't the like, release of the news. <laughs> nope. It's our 10th and final year. Um, we've learned a lot of songs over the years, and mm-hmm. um, it's been a really amazing experience. Uh, there's a, another cover band opening for us called Purring Mantis. They're incredible. So Cool. Um, and yeah. what are you raising money for? Uh, uh, immigrant immigrant justice of Idaho. Oh, okay. Is the name of the nonprofit. Oh, okay. So cool. And yeah. then that goes is that go to the uh, IRC, the Immigration uh, and Refugee. Actually, uh, we benefited them. So that's a different last year. So immigrant justice Idaho. Uh, it's a I, it's a fairly new nonprofit. I think they launched in the fall, um, and so. Uh, it's um, Maria Andrade. She's a, an attorney locally who specializes in immigration law. Okay. And so she started this nonprofit um, to provide legal resources for immigrants. Oh, okay. So we're really excited to be partnering with her. Um, the, the money will definitely go to a very good cause. So. That's cool. And it's been going on for 10 years. So I suppose people show up to these events. Yes. Yeah. So, yep. you, so you all do a pretty solid job of, of covering... Well, we try. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My goal every year is to not make a total fool of myself. So I try to That's just learn That's my goal every the... day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm running out about, you know, I try to hit 50%, I guess. 50% of the days, but we see. Yeah. Well, we learn, we, we learn a whole set of covers and, uh, we just get one shot, so that's cool. To play them one night. Do you all practice together, or do you just? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, our drummer lives in um, Portland. Oh wow! So she comes over. That's a bit of a drive. Yeah, we only get her the last couple of days before the show. Oh, okay. So we practice with her leading up to the show, but Skype in. Yeah, <laughs> I <quite>. wish. <laughs> I wish technology was second, advanced. <laughs> that two second delay makes a big difference when you're playing music. Yes. If you're having a conversation, you can you can pull it off. Yeah. But not jamming. That's cool. Exactly. So, um, so yeah. I mean, we we learn the songs over uh, the course of um, several weeks and months, and then put it all together. Nice. What's on the What's on the docket this year? Well, I, are you allowed to to share some of the songs you're going to be playing? So the songs themselves are a surprise. Okay. Um, usually we have a theme. Yeah. So last year we did all Led Zeppelin. Oh, cool. And the year before that we Dang. did dance hits. Well, Led Zeppelin, that's impressive. It. it what, what What all did you cover? So typically we play like the hits because we okay. like we like when people recognize the song and mm-hmm. sing along and yeah. Uh, so Led Zeppelin is not an easy band to cover. That is not uh, where no, you, it was that's, a lot of work. <laughs> that's not where you start off as a group. <laughs> well, no. So it was our ninth year, so yeah. we felt like uh, why not? Um, that's cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So and the year before that we did dance hits, uh, kind of okay. across the eras. So that was really fun too. Um, this year, because it's our 10th and final year, we are doing, uh, we let fans choose what songs. We had a ballot box at last year's show. Oh, okay. So That'll be a fun um, hodgepodge. Yeah, it's a lot of classic rock, 80s rock. Um, okay. 
yeah. Who Which is eight- typically what we've played. Who are your 80s groups that you like? That I like personally? Yeah. yeah. 80s is like um, one of my favorite decades of music. So Okay. So bands I like so from choose the 80s. So choose carefully. <laughs> um, well, of the ones we've covered, I've really enjoyed um, covering some Blondie. Oh, okay. A lot of their songs are from yeah. the 80s. Uh, the Cars. Oh, the Cars are solid. Um, I like a lot of that new wave stuff that kind of came out in the 80s. We actually mm-hmm. did a new wave year that was really fun. Um, yeah, Sonic Youth, they started in the 80s. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, so so Gary Newman is one of my recent finds. I don't know. He's just the one that here in my car. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I didn't realize how uh, how different his music was overall. Have you listened to any of his albums? I, I, no, no, it, I haven't. Actually, super, super interesting stuff. I mean, there's a lot of that that stuff. So, so you were looking at before you came over, uh, or when you came over before we started recording, you were looking at that giant mm-hmm. album set that I have that my yes. my dad was kind enough to gift me, um, and it's all 70s and 80s uh-huh. albums, and there are just so many albums that you dive into, and and there's a ton of really good music in there, yeah. but it never got any radio play yeah. at the time where you had to get radio play to get any recognition. Yeah. And so, so many of those songs just slipped under the radar. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, if, if, if a band were like that uh, were to come out with music, you know, you get the album on Spotify and then mm-hmm. you listen to a huge chunk of it sure. all the way through. And yeah. so you get a lot of listens for like the whole thing. But there, there's so many gems, gems in there in the 70s and so, 80s and 90s. Okay. Yeah. Gary Newman, it was just, just, I mean, it's, it's weird though. Like it's weird. It's kind of far out there, That's but cool. it's, but you know, it's engaging. Yeah. Um. So w- what album was, uh, were you listening to when you, when you first picked up the bass or, or what albums were, were you listening to when you were deciding to write music? Cause that's interesting to me that, that you, you took the writing approach mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times, I mean, you see somebody play, mm-hmm. I think that story is similar with me. You see somebody mm-hmm. play, you're like, wow, I want to do that. I want to pick up the instrument. I want to be able to do that. Sure. Um, but usually it's like, okay, I need to, I, I want to play this song or these songs, and then you mm-hmm. want to write it. But yeah. I, I was wondering if there's any type of inspiration that you heard musically that you wanted to emulate. Um, so I did, around that time, I was listening to a lot of Sonic Youth. Okay. Um, you know, growing up around here, I saw a lot of Built to Spill. Yeah. Um, See, I'm not from here. And mm-hmm. so when they were releasing all of their stuff, it was not coming to the Midwest in my little tiny town in Yankton, okay. South Dakota, <laughs> where the only thing I could buy at the record store was whatever was the biggest sure. stuff nationally. Probably no, sure. zero exposure to anything. Outside, yeah. uh, uh, maybe like a little bit from like Minneapolis and Chicago. Yeah. But that was it. Yeah. You know? So when I came here and I first time I saw them play, I was like, whoa, this is really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. But anyway, so Built to Spill. Um. So, uh, I liked Bjork a lot in high school. Oh, okay. I still do. I love Bjork. Um, she's definitely got an interesting take on songwriting. That's yeah, for sure. she's amazing. Yeah. Um, there, I was actually looking at her her stuff. Uh, I was I was trying to think of a of a score to write for for mm-hmm. something that my brother and I are producing video for, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it would be really cool to. Um, take 
and compose an entire song with nothing but natural sounds that happen in the environment and not even using any instrumentation. Mm -hmm. And so I was like talking to my brother about it and he listens to a lot of Bjork and he just sent me a link to like, oh, cool. she did yeah. a, that exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty far out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that a lot, having listened to her music over a long time, um, there's a lot of stuff that she's done that, you know, then other people kind of go on to do later. And um, I definitely think she's still making incredible music. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I guess I had a wide variety of things that I listened to growing up. Um, I definitely listened to a lot of Billie Holiday. Um, as far as lyricists go... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the band The Silver Jews. I was listening mm -mm. to them a lot, I guess, around that time. The singer from that band is also a poet. And so. And Doug Marsh comes up with some really amazing lyrics, too, on, yeah. on his stuff. Definitely. I think. That's, yeah. a, that's interesting you bring up the lyric end. Of, mm -hmm. That's something that gets overlooked. Who else do you like to, to listen to just specifically for the lyrics? For lyrics? Yeah. Um, gosh. I'd have to think probably pretty hard about that. I listen to mostly pop radio now. Oh yeah. And uh interesting. I <laughs> How did that happen? Um cuz I love <laughs> I love um songs with really catchy hooks and um intense dynamics and uh so i like i guess a lot of um just rap and hip-hop i think oh. some pretty cool as far as lyrics go there's some pretty incredible lyricists yeah, i think the hip-hop that's i just started to delve into that like probably about five years ago mm -hmm. um hakeem prime is a local guy he came onto this podcast oh, like a, cool. a few weeks ago too and he, he we chatted a little bit and then uh, tony g um mm -hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with him at all, they're both yeah. they're both local guys, and they're oh, both cool. very strong lyricists. Awesome. Um, but yeah, the, the the hip hop realm is super interesting because a lot of times, as those the skill level is in such complicated rhyme schemes, going within time signatures, mm -hmm. that it's it's really amazing to listen to. As soon as you tune into it, and you realize what how difficult. Uh, their lyrics are to execute. Yeah. Because having to hit things on the offbeat and, and rhyme schemes, changing the, the metering of that and mm -hmm. to where it feels like it's almost like in a different time signature and then it gets gives you that flow to where it's that completely added layer on something that might just have the same beat playing over the top of the, the song for th three minutes. Yeah. And the entire interest comes in the lyrical expression mm -hmm. as opposed to changing the bass line or changing the guitar line yeah. or doing like the, all the, all the, all the verse chorus codas is just like right into the, the lyrical end, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be you know, I, I like a lot of those bands now, but it was, it was lame that I never missed, you know, again, Yankton, South Dakota, <laughs> yeah. little tiny yeah. town missed out on a lot of that stuff, unfortunately, but yeah. now is a really good time to be into music yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Can you talk about the, the, uh, music scene here in the Treasure Valley and sure. what that's like for you? 
Yeah, so... Um, Obviously, I, you have success finding people to play with. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I've played here. I haven't moved away. I've been here since I started playing. Um, Has there been a temptation to leave and, and play in other cities? No. Really? Okay. No, I've always loved being here. Um, but, you know, I guess over the years, there's been some pretty incredible bands that have come and gone, and lately it just seems like there's a lot of people making amazing music here so it's a great place to play music um there's some great clubs downtown the neurolux the olympic there's consistently been some cool all ages options um right now bump magazine has an all ages they've been putting on all ages shows um the hive the boise hive Mm -hmm. uh um there's always been house shows which has been um it's a great way to see music, especially when you're not old enough to go to the bars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I guess I've it's felt like a pretty alive music scene to me since the beginning. But um, definitely, I don't know what year of Tree Fort this is, but um, I yeah maybe not... the seventh. Maybe, yeah, I feel like we're like right that. around there. Yeah, um, and that certainly has been a um, motivator, I would say, for. Um, for local musicians, just in terms of um, putting out music and and getting to play that festival and play with other pretty incredible bands that come through uh, every year around that time. So is that almost just like a guaranteed audience? As soon as you're booked up on that, as soon as you're on that list of bands, that you're going to basically have a pretty packed venue when you're playing. So I think they do an incredible job. I can't imagine putting together the schedule for that. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty intense. I think there's like 400, over 400 bands that play over I don't know how many venues. But mm-hmm. um, I, I've felt pretty lucky to have um, some pretty good shows at Tree Ford over the years. And um, How many years have you played? I've been lucky enough to get to play every year. Oh, wow. With some group. Nice. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think that they do a good job of. Um, I think it's a a little bit of the magic of how they schedule it mm-hmm. um, to to keep opportunities for people to go see the showcases. And um, you know, before we had Tree Ford, I did go down to South by Southwest, and um, that was a really uh, amazing experience. But uh, there were definitely some showcases there that I stepped into where there weren't very many people there, and I think that it's a much bigger festival with a lot of, um, a lot more venues and many more musical acts, and so I guess it just made me very grateful for the way that they've been doing Tree Fort. Yeah, as far as that goes. That's cool. Um, so, so have you seen a shift in in Boise because of Tree Fort, as far as the music's concerned? Um, like day to day. I mean, obviously, it's got to get crazy that weekend, you know, without yeah. saying. Like, that's com- very intense. And and I actually lived uh, 
was I living? I think I was living downtown the first year it started. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was kind of in the, it was close to where they have the main stage now. I'm pretty sure if not mm -hmm. that same location and, and it was pretty busy. Yeah. And I, I, I went because they had, uh, they had unlimited beer for 20 bucks. Oh, sure. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, sweet. 20 bucks. And then I bought like yeah. another ticket for 20 and I'm like, dang, like all, all this beer and, yes. and, uh, and then music too. And it just exploded. Yeah. Like within a couple of years after yeah. that to where the entire, it, it just spread and took over the entire downtown. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I mean, obviously that's insane, but have yeah. you seen, have you seen a, a huge uptick in, in interest in music, in local musicians since then? Well, I think getting to play at Tree Four, it, it seems like there's definitely a crowd of people there. There are always people who love music and go out to shows all year. But then there's also people who maybe don't get as many opportunities to go see local music throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And so you definitely get to play for people that maybe you wouldn't normally get to play for. Um, and when you apply for Tree Fort, you know, they want to see videos that you've made and mm -hmm. um, all the, the streaming that you do online and you have to have a decent band photo. And I, those are just things that um, otherwise m might not be a priority, I guess Got you it. could say. And so in that sense, it I think that it does push um, local bands to maybe just put a little more into how, you know, the different media that they put together and, and how they present themselves. That, that art, the marketing aspect of being an artist anymore is just, it's, Nobody used to consider that, I don't think. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you doing film and throwing videos up onto mm -hmm. YouTube. And, you know, we do f uh, feature films and try to shop them around to the different film festivals. And it's like anybody that wants to do anything has to learn how to market themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can you can be really good at marketing, too, and not necessarily be as strong in the art department, but... Yeah. You're gonna get you're gonna get recognition if that it's like a balance and skill sets. Yeah. Um have have you delved into any of that at all as I'm, far as the marketing end? No, so I'm actually really terrible at that piece of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I think um You find friends to outsource it to. <laughs> well, I think it's true that um playing in a band, you know, it's of course you have to play your instrument and, and bring skills as far as that goes, but it's a real bonus when you play with somebody who can also create um, album artwork and do graphic layout and do social media. Yeah, and, social media um, is so huge. Yeah, and write a band bio and come mm -hmm. up with a list of, you know, bands that you might sound like. Um, right on. I mean, those are all skills. Who does that for the French tips? Um. So clearly I'm the one that does interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, those ladies are very multi-talented. And so, um, you know, I I would say social media is not my strength. Those two are both pretty good at it. Um, and, uh, you know, Angela does a lot of um, – she's very strong with graphic design, uh, although I think Rachel has those skills as well. So, I mean, they both bring a lot to the table. What are your goals with this, with this group, with this trio? Uh, to have fun and write songs that we love and oh, share sweet. them with people. <laughs> nice. We don't. I wouldn't say we have lofty goals. Right on. Um, I think we recorded 
uh, It's the Tips Mm -hmm. last year, kind of starting around this time. Mm -hmm. And we just, we decided to put it out on vinyl. So that actually takes a long time. We were done with this record. It was mixed and I believe mastered by August. But oh, really? It takes a very long time to get vinyl, and so that's What's why we that released it. What's that process? Uh, you you send everything. You find a, um, someone that presses records, and you send everything to them, and um, they send you some test pressings. Uh, so there's a couple steps along the way, but then um, I think there's not a whole lot of places that do it around the country, and so you're in a queue of however many people are oh, waiting wow. to have vinyl done. Um, so... Uh, Anyway, we we recorded our record and um, we're pretty amazed by the the job that our friend Zach von House did um, with our record, and so that's kind of motivated us to do a little bit more with it. You know, um, we as part of promoting it, played the radio and we played the record exchange, and um, you know, we're talking about possibly playing out of town a little bit. Oh wow. Um, over the summer, so okay, and I think a lot of the motivation to do those things comes from having made a record that we feel um, good about and want to share with people. Right on. Where can people get your record? You should probably tell. So uh, the record exchange. Okay. And I believe you should be able to buy it digitally online on Bandcamp. Okay. Cool. Uh, did you produce it? So, or you said there was a gentleman named Zach that helped out with he, that. Yeah. So he has his own um, recording studio rabbit brush audio and um so we went and recorded with him so he engineered it and then he mixed it um and so you know as far as production goes it's a very collaborative process in terms of discussing what we want things to sound like and then Mm -hmm. um you know he came up with ideas we had ideas um and so it was just a very collaborative process that's cool. Did you did you lay, did you record each person at the same time? Did you do it mostly separately? Um, so the instruments, I believe, are mostly live, That's as cool. in recorded all together at the same time. Uh, there's some there's some overdubbing and um, guitar work, and some actually there's at least one keyboard line on there that we overdubbed. We don't play yeah. that live, but right on. And we all three sing, so we all. Yeah, and you did a good job of that live, I thought. Oh, thank you. Yeah, on the record exchange, uh, Mm -hmm. the video I saw on on Facebook. That was pretty solid. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's not easy to do. That's (laughs) not easy to do when everybody's everybody's playing something, too. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I was never able to master, especially on bass for some Mm -hmm. reason. Um, Guitar is different because at least usually you're hitting the note that you're singing. Mm -hmm. But on bass, if you're playing a note and then you're trying to sing a completely different note, my brain doesn't function that way. I never never practiced enough, though, I guess. Well, I'm same. (laughs) It's the same for sure. I can only do certain things, I would say. (laughs) Limited repertoire when you're trying to multitask. But yeah, you, you all know nailed the 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 harmonies and the, and, and, and the multi vocal thing which is which is really cool it to helps have three singers. to have um, a sound guy that uh uh you know makes everything sound good and make sure we can all hear each other and all that oh so you have somebody that uh, that you rely on heavily for the for the live performance um actually so we've been very lucky in the sense that when we play shows there's there's some really amazing sound guys around town who love music and take really good care of the bands who play the venues oh, that they okay. work at. So at the record exchange, that's Dave, and oh, he did a great right job. Yeah, sound balancing is so important. Um, when I was middle school, Blues Traveler was one of my favorite 
yeah. bands of all time. Yeah. And uh, and it was something about uh, John Popper pa- playing his harmonica into mm. a microphone mm. with a distortion to make it sound like mm. he was like playing a rock guitar, you sure, know? Sure, And uh, I really loved the harmonica sound that he came up with. And uh, so I, I fell in love with him. Um, uh, their second album, which uh, Bobby Sheehan was their bassist, he he died. Um, but I but he he wrote some of my favorite bass lines of all time. Oh. I don't know um, if you've if you've listened to Travelers and Thieves, it's like their second album. It didn't get a lot of listens, but yeah. I could because they got so popular, I could get their all their albums behind the popular one mm-hmm. at the at the uh, record store in my small town in yeah. South Dakota. Okay. Like they backstocked <laughs> it. Um, but anyway. So I loved I loved their music when I was in middle school. And then um, finally, when I got old enough in college, I started to do some traveling around. And I went and saw them at, at uh, Red Rocks. Um, uh, who opened? Uh, Ziggy Marley opened for them. Oh, cool. And, and then they came on. And whoever their sound person was, was horrendous. Oh, no. And, and, and then they ended up. Uh, recording that concert and it's on DVD. Like oh, the one wow. I went to was filmed on and DVD. And it sounds bad? And it just didn't work. Oh, like okay. it, I don't know what happened to that, but I was like, how could these guys get to that level and then something just be off? Because Ziggy Marley was nailing it. Red yeah. Rocks is like next to impossible to sound bad in, yeah. you would think. It's like naturally beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and for some reason it was just, <clears throat> if you listen to it, to me it's like the bass isn't there correctly mm. it's just all it's just like way too much mid-range mm. which to me like like stresses me out yeah it yeah. just makes me like kind of just it, it, i lose i lose the flow of the music for yeah. some reason but because you know i loved um when i was a kid i would i would uh, try to get as many music dvds as as possible because yeah. i love to watch yeah. the people perform as they and i couldn't see a concert other than like I knew everybody that I could see a concert in such a small town. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we all go to each other's. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, I'd love to do that. And then when that came out, I was like, man, like what the heck <laughs> is going on? So yeah. John Popper, if you're listening, I don't know. They probably fixed it by now. I would think that was like quite a few years ago yeah. that I saw him. But yeah. uh, anyway, that's such a that's such a huge thing. Yeah. To, to, to be able to to be able to balance all of that live. And yeah. the venues here in Boise are incredible mm-hmm. i think especially when you consider the shapes of a lot of them yeah definitely like they're not <laughs> designed right acoustically yeah at all but what's your what's your uh, one of your favorite places or some of your favorite places to play here in um, town so well i i play the neurolux and i like yeah. playing there um, that's a fun place to catch a band yeah definitely and uh, the staff there is really nice and um, the Olympics been really fun to play at. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a newer venue, but um, it's got a really good feel. I love playing the Visual Arts Collective. Yeah. They have really good sound there, and it's a really cool place. Um, it's an art gallery space, and they also have um, plays that they put on there and the burlesque shows. And, mm-hmm. um, so those are places I've played a lot. Um, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to playing that bump space, that all ages space soon. Cool. Um, yeah. So those are kind of the places that I've been playing. I like playing house shows, but those seem to kind of come and go. Oh yeah. Right yeah. on. Well, well, whose, whose places do you, do you crash for those? <laughs> well, probably not allowed to share. Well, just to, <laughs> you know, usually 
it seems like the last couple of times I've played, it's been at the house of somebody who also plays music. Oh, okay. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, yeah, I definitely wish there were more all-ages spaces, but... Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you get a lot of younger people that are interested in your music? <laughs> um, sometimes. I just, for me, I loved going to shows so much when I was younger. You just um, don't want to exclude that possibility yeah, for Yeah, definitely. Because right I think it's so meaningful, especially to um, younger people being able to go to shows. and. That is, I feel like the young people definitely, there's more of an appreciation just because of the novelty of it all. Mm -hmm. Still. Yeah. It hasn't I, worn off. I think for me as a young person, <clears throat> listening to music um, was a very emotional experience it, it just really helped clarify who I was and how I felt and um that's actually a question I had for you how, what, what was it like before before you found music before you started playing and then how did that change yeah so I think as a young person I probably was looking for different ways of expressing myself I wrote a lot and um I definitely did a stint of, like, high school theater. Um, nice. So I, I think the common thread for me was just finding ways of um, of expressing and existing with these really big emotions that I felt. Um, and so music was really the, the thing that stuck for me um, in having a... a a meaningful way of of being with myself and 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 being with my own internal world. So. Okay, and how does that compare to the other like through that trial and error process what what was it about music that that hit that on the head for you? I don't know. I think it's a, it's a very powerful in and of itself. Um I like the way that playing in bands allows me to collaborate with other people. Mm -hmm. Um there's kind of a looseness to showing up and writing a song that maybe you wouldn't have um, putting on, a, you know, like a scripted play. Um, and there's also just having other people to bounce ideas off of is, uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy that aspect of playing with other people versus just doing things on my own, right like on. writing. Got it. But you do it. It sounds like. <laughs> right. Lyrics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, is I that still... what you focus on? Uh, I still enjoy writing lyrics. I wish I had more time to do it. Um, I don't have as much time as I did when I was younger, but. Uh, it's funny how it's that works. Still, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely still a passion of mine. So. Cool. Well, good. Um, and uh, I was going to ask you, album. Do you have an album that you can't live without? One album that I couldn't live without? I guess you can pick more than that, but, I mean, you went over <sighs> some of your influences, Bjork, Sonic Youth. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really tough question. It is. Um, hmm, an album I couldn't live without. I definitely still love Vespertine, which is a Bjork album. Okay. I love the White album. Yeah. You know, it is It is a little... Sometimes the Beatles were amazing. Yeah. Like, and the White <laughs> Album was super awesome because yeah. it was so... It had a lot of, like, goofy aspects to it. Mm -hmm. Like, different, just very interesting and yeah. uh, experimental, mm -hmm. which was super cool. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, 
So I I don't think that the schedule we're getting we're getting close to time already. Okay. Yeah. I don't. So your schedule I don't think is going to be up uh, for a while for Tree Fort. I don't yeah. believe. But um, once once it is, let me know and we can. Yeah, absolutely. We, people can see that in the comment section on okay. this. Um, so I like to uh, I like to ask questions from one of my friends. Um, his mm-hmm. name's Wes. We call him. I call him the abyss because he comes up with really interesting okay. kind of off the wall <laughs> questions. Um, Question so, from the abyss. Yeah. All exactly. Right. Uh, so one of them that he came up with is, uh, what makes a memorable experience? Um, oh, something memorable, huh? Mm-hmm. And why? Well, for me, and I believe this is true for most people, that if you have a really emotion, a strong emotion attached to something, then it, then it becomes memorable. Um, so within the frame of talking about music, um, mm-hmm. you know, music is like this language of emotions. And so perhaps that's why seeing bands can be such a memorable experience for people, especially when you're younger and growing up. Yeah. Um, so you had the local one that when you were uh, that you had mentioned and I forgot. Their oh, name. yeah. Mm-hmm. And seeing you... that bass player play was like really yeah. impactful for me. Um Hearing music, hearing people sing, hearing moments in songs, I guess, that were just really almost like transcendent, mm-hmm. really, um, I guess, created memories as far as going and seeing music. But um, is your friend's question broader than that (laughs) broader than music i think well i think for you obviously i would imagine that the musical answer is definitely something that that uh is applicable to this question what we're talking about yeah the emotional aspect no that's really good Uh, do you have one of those concerts any other of those concerts where you're like oh my gosh i'm never going to forget this experience um so yeah actually there's something i just thought of as we were talking about this there Mm -hmm. was um the first time I heard, there was a cover of a Velvet Underground song that I heard when I was 18, and uh, I just remember thinking that there was, like, the the silence in it in between the vocals was really beautiful, and the way the melody soared um, to hit high, some of its highs. I think it made an impression on me as a young person learning that I wanted to sing and what I wanted to do with music and how I wanted to make people feel when they listened. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's a good answer. Thanks. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I think, I think we'll end with that. Ivy, okay. thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting today Great. and uh, we'll be in touch and keep me posted on, on your playtime. Awesome. Thank you.